0: Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of whose world is this with Junior Renee Bobrun. Thank you guys again for tuning in. If you are a first time listener. I'd like to welcome you to this ongoing conversation. If you are a returning listener, once again, thank you for tuning in and listening to my rants and diatribes and streams of consciousness. We are now in our 63rd episode, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited that we're almost to our 100th episode. I'm excited for every episode that we do. You know, um, it's been an interesting journey doing this this platform because it's collaborative even though it's me that you hear uh if you listen to the shows you'll see that I'm pulling things from all over from my own experiences my family my friends conversations that I've had my own academic experiences as well as other experiences outside of the academic realm uh, my own inroads revelations whatever uh and um this is not just me on a on a soapbox per se ranting it's it's i'm there's sometimes i'm i'm doing this show and i'm thinking about one particular person in my mind like a friend and sometimes that particular friend or family member or colleague former coworker employee will reach out after listening to that episode without me having use their name or any sort of narrative or story that that is affiliated with them they'll go they'll go they'll say like june that particular thing you said on that episode really hit home and I won't tell them that I had them in mind I'll go really oh okay okay and I'll smile and it to myself because I know that um this is about all of us that's why I named the show whose world is this it's about us it's it's almost a rhetorical question it's our world it's yours it's mine it's everyone's and um I'm excited. I'm excited this year, 2022, to continue doing this show, to expand it, to reach more people, um, to refine it, not just expand, but refine it, refine my own thoughts, refine the way that I communicate with you guys. Uh, maybe even shorten it a bit. I'm not entirely sure. I think sometimes my shows run a little long. You tell me, uh, you know, you can always reach out to me and let me know. if Hey, June, you, you, you know, you know you're talking a lot you know you know break it down into four episodes that one thing you said and and maybe i'll do that um but sometimes like i said it's a stream of consciousness and because it's not rehearsed sometimes i feel that those things that i'm saying compound and are so associated with each other i just want to get it all out and you know because of this forum such as it is platform you guys can you know choose to listen to it in its entirety while you're doing something or say okay I'm going to listen to 15 minutes and get back to it then get back to it so you can break an episode down into several listens you know you know it's up to you however you decide to listen um again little housekeeping if you guys want to get in contact with me any questions concerns kudos that you want to relay to me you can go on my Instagram page which is whose world is this 2021 instagram whose world is this 2021 or you can email me at whose world is this 21 at gmail those are the two ways that you can contact me about all things related to this particular show instagram whose world is this 2021 or email whose world is this 21 at gmail also my cash app is dollar sign j-u-n-b-e-a-u cash app is dollar sign june bow also my venmo is the same. It's Venmo at J-U-N-B-E-A-U. So that's that, because I'm going to be rattling that tin cup, as I've said before. I'm going to be advertising. I'm going to be saying, hey, I'd like money, so I can do this show more than twice a week. More than three times a week. I'll do it five times a week, if the money makes sense. I'll do several shows a day. I'll do all of that. Because I would rather do this than a lot of other things. Hey, why not? I'm good at it. Just saying. In any case, you should you should be compensated for what you are naturally gifted at, especially if you feel or it actually does add value to the marketplace in some way, shape or form, as I think I do. I may be so presumptuous as to say that, but a lot of the things that I've said, uh, not even on this show, just in my personal life, the ways that I've been able to aid people in putting certain things in perspective to reduce the anxiety and the angst and the acrimony that exists that in in and of itself adds value there's a value to that to 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 contributing to the overall quality of your community or of your social circle a there's a dollar to be made in that look at all these life coaches and speakers and motivational speakers etc etc i'm just saying so you know whatever you know anyway moving on If you're listening to me on Apple Podcasts, definitely rate, review, subscribe. That would be appreciated. It definitely helps when you rate the show. Um, Especially, you know, the more ratings, you know, the more it gets noticed, whatever. People look for suggestions and in their uh, podcast suggestions. And then mine will pop up and they'll go, hey, let me take a listen to this cat, see what he's talking about. And people, you know, may, may or may not take a listen. But it does help. So definitely share it. Um... I would really like for people to share certain segments, even if there's a particular line or a particular stream of consciousness that you find may resonate with someone that you know, tell them, hey, scrub, fast forward to minute 15, your thoughts. I do that with a lot of podcasts with certain people that I know are not gonna listen to the whole thing. So I go, you know what? That right there, and I'll look at the time, I'll go, wow, that right there could resonate with such and such. And I'll say, hey, listen, Go to this podcast, go to a uh, minute, eight, minute, eight at the eight minute mark, take a listen and let me know what you think, you know, do that. Um, trust me, a lot of people need to hear the things that are going on, the goings on that are going on because we're not getting all the information. What we're getting are tiny tidbits. So it's nice to have a conversation, so to speak, right in long form, because we get to hash out certain things that you're not going to get in that little minute and a half news report. Or in life, just a lot of the things we were speaking about in the last episode, right? Just about happy still here, that part three, that conclusion episode. That was important. Those little things that you're just not going to get from Good Morning America or wherever the case may be. And those guys are getting paid seven, eight figures a year to distract. In any case, I don't mean to admonish. What I want to say is, I'm very happy to be here. I'm very happy to be journaling. I'm looking at my journal right now, the gratitude journal, "My Abundant Blessed Life" by Lenore Batista, and I just wrote in it early. This uh, it's uh, January 7th. It's early morning. It's day 68 of 365. Friday, January 7th, 2022. I just finished writing in my gratitude journal what I am grateful for, and. As I've said before, in, in every episode, uh, since November 1st, I've been writing in this journal. I've been, I've been attempting to get a head start on my New Year's resolutions. We spoke about those New Year's resolutions yesterday. 80% of us who, who make New Year's resolutions don't stick to them. And I'm telling you that it's been noted that when you write things down, there's a higher likelihood you are twice as likely to actually do it. If you write it and make that promise to yourself, write that promise down. And when you read it, you you can't uh, you can't uh, uh, make the excuse that you forgot. You said it and you even forgot saying it when you write it down. That promise is a pact. It's a written contract between you and and yourself and your expectations between your present self and your future self. How close are you to your future self? How close are you to looking like your future self, feeling, thinking, living like your future self? How would your future self be dressing? Where where does your future self eat? What do they eat? What do they think? What do they like or love? How do they act and react? All of that you can write down and say, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. This is where I am now. This is what I like, love, and maybe not like so much about who I am right now. And this is the person I want to be. That's what's so important about writing these things down. That's why I'm using the gratitude journal. That's why you should go and get yourself one and go to ChavezHouse.com. C-H-A-V-E-S House.com. And get yourself a couple of copies or go to Chavez House Publishing. That's Chavez with an S on Amazon and look at all the journals written by Lenore Batista and pick yourself a couple, whether it's the fitness journals, whether it's the gratitude journal, the travel logs, the notebooks. Take a look. A lot of good things are going on right now, and I want you to be a part of it a lot of the the, the big accomplishments are going to start by the little work. We spoke about that last episode. Go check out the Happy Still Here series that I did for the new year. I did 3 episodes already for the new year. Happy Still Here part 1, 2, and 3. Okay? And we're only I think we're only what 7 days into the new year. Usually I do one episode, maybe two episodes per week. I've already gotten 3 in the bag already for New Year's. That's just going to show you the level of productivity that we're looking to do we're ramping it up so here we are it's episode 63 okay season five what are we going to call this episode if you're a new listener um just so you know I like to name my episodes in the beginning because I am prone to long rants and diatribes. That way, whatever that title is, I get to go back to it. Somehow, someway, I'll find a way to try to string it all together. So if you pull the yarn, you'll see how it's all connected. So we're going to call this episode either, question mark, either, either or either, however you like to pronounce it. And the reason why I'm saying that, I'm calling it that, or titling our episode that, is because of we're one day removed from the one-year anniversary of the January 6th, and I put this in quotes, riots that occurred in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol last year. I'm not going to go into too much detail. I, I'm pretty sure that you've heard certain things ad nauseum. You know how we do. I'm going to speak about things from a macro perspective and think about our own cultural biases, And how it pertains to certain things that occur, as opposed to just picking things out and plucking them out of the news media. Uh, I've said it on many, many occasions. Mainstream corporate corporate media, multinational media. That are owned by Fortune 500 companies that are that Fortune 500 companies advertise on. They're like a director in a movie. They decide what's in focus and what's out of focus. Just like when you watch a movie, that thing that's in focus is the director telling you, is directing you to focus on this, on this particular image or person that they've made central to their story. And that person that's out of focus and the things that are maybe off to the right or off to the left, that's what you don't pay much attention to. It's, called, it's the background they want you paying attention to a lot of the things going on in the foreground and and sometimes let the periphery be damned. But oftentimes, especially in the news, you have to ask yourself, why are they putting this central and why are they putting this particular narrative or this point of view central and putting everything else on the peripheral? And oftentimes what's been set out to the periphery or what's been omitted altogether is central, but it all depends on Who is serving whom? Are you serving truth? Are you serving something else? Right? So that's why I call it either. Why do I call it that? The reason why I'm calling it that is because, you know, I've read various news reports um, that our vice president, Kamala Harris, our president, Joseph Biden, our former president, Barack Obama, have likened the events of January 6th 2021 as a threat to democracy. Democracy is in danger. That is the tagline. Democracy is in danger. That's what they've told us. And that's interesting because it's either are they is there truth to that based on those events? Listen to me now. It's just strictly based on those events are they saying that democracy is in danger? Was democracy in danger before those events? Was democracy in danger way before um, uh, uh, the election of Donald Trump? One can argue that the Citizens V United case put democracy in danger. That the fact that we have money, and money seems to grease the wheels of politics, so those who have money and have the capital are the ones who get the their their the campaign promises promise to them those are the comp- campaign promises that are actually met are from the the moneyed class and the property class and the multi-millionaire billionaire class one could say that democracy was in danger then citizen v united when it said hey a, you know a corporation has a vote as well and you know um you know money is okay it's okay to dump billions and hundreds of millions of dollars into a, a, a Um, a, uh, A candidate. So what does that mean? It sort of weakened the one man, one vote to a certain degree. There are many people out there that think that was a threat to democracy that put democracy in danger. So I'm saying. Was were the events of January 6th either democracy in danger or. Democracy at work. Just saying. I'm just posing the question. Why? Because I remember Thomas Jefferson in 1787, which I find to be a very poignant quote. And he says, and I quote, what country can preserve its liberties if their rulers are not warned from time to time that their people preserve the spirit of resistance? Let them take arms. The remedy is to set them right as to facts, pardon and pacify them. What signify a few lives lost in a century or two? The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. It is its natural manure. I didn't say that. Thomas Jefferson said that in 1787. Now, I'm not saying that the events of January 6th fit into this purview, but what I am saying is, this is a man, a founding father who believed in the Constitution. Who was saying that oftentimes to refresh the tree of liberty, for the tree of liberty to be refreshed from time to time, it has to be. It has to be refreshed with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Just saying, were those people in January 6th patriots or were they extremists? Are the people that are that are are um, occupying the seats of government right now, tyrants or are they patriots? What are. I'm I'm not saying one or the other. I'm saying (laughs) the conversation is being had as we speak. Were those people January 6th on the right side of history or not? I've said it before and I've said it on a couple of occasions. Democracy is not neat. Democracy is messy. Politics is a messy game. It's a messy sport. I said this to a friend of mine, a friend of mine was uh, uh, on a uh, train and she was wearing a mask, uh, you know, in the train in New York City, riding mass transit. And she's wearing a mask while on the phone with me. She was on one of the above train lines and she uh, spoke out loud to someone who wasn't wearing a mask and said, hey, listen, where's your mask? And they got into an argument. One person decided that they didn't need to wear a mask and they decided to not be compliant or non-compliant to certain mandates of wearing masks in public, public transportation in New York City. And one person said, my friend said, no, you should be wearing your mask. My friend who was vaccinated said, I don't understand what the big deal is with getting vaccinated. Take your vax, do it, do it for the community, do it for the greater good, do it for the this, do it for that. And I also said to her, well, people also have a right to there's a certain level of autonomy and human individual sovereignty that's also playing a part because this is not the first time people have been anti-vax. There are many, many, many students I went to school with from years who didn't get vaccinated, who have vaccine exemptions for religious reasons, for whatever reasons, philosophical reasons they had exemptions. So this is not new. So we have a tendency to not t- to want to censor what we don't agree with. And I think I can't remember who said it was it Oscar Wilde says no one wants to censor what they agree with. So it's easy to be like, hey, I don't understand why those people are doing that. Yeah. And they don't understand why you're doing what you're doing either. That's democracy. The conversation, the conflict. The discord, the discussion. That's 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 democracy. And sometimes, guess what? It gets messy when democracies are growing. Remember, we're one of the oldest democracies on Earth, but we're one of the youngest countries on Earth as well. Our Constitution is one of the oldest constitutions. Many, many countries have redone and remade their constitutions and have remade their government and have changed for for a myriad of reasons. We have one of the oldest democracies, but still one of the youngest countries. America is a baby in comparison to England, in comparison to France, in comparison to to Italy, in comparison to to Prussia, to Germany, in comparison to India, to China. You know, China's thousands of years old. You know, African civilizations are thousands of years old. America's hundreds of years old. It's a baby. And babies have growing pains. Puberty, we, we may be considered even in our more pubescent stage. America's a teenager, if you consider it in the, in the grand scope of, um, of global history and civilizations. It's, a, it's, it's barely a teenager, if that, if that old, truthfully, if that old. Because its democracy didn't really start being a democracy till, it, till desegregation. Till everyone had the right to vote hello and that which was recently within the last what 50 60 70 years with this is the last hundred years so what are we talking about so that's just one thing that thomas jefferson quote is important that's an important important quote so i'm asking either those events were democracy at work or democracy in danger there's so much information being bandied about it, about what's news, what isn't news, what's this, that, and the third, what is this. What, let, me, let me give you another perfect example. Uh, there are many, many people January 6th who feel that the election was stolen from uh, Donald Trump, that the election was fraudulent. Okay. Let me read you a report. Security experts for the last 10 years have released a study that says over 90% of errors introduced by ballot marking devices go undetected. you hear what I just said? 90% of errors introduced by ballot marking de- devices go undetected. For years, for years, for more than a decade, I've been reading reports about how vulnerable our voting machines, our electronic voting machines are to hacking to malware, to malicious spyware, where outside actors in other countries or even people in this country who have a vested interest in one candidate winning or another, or someone who is just like the Joker in in Batman who just wants to see the chaos. Anybody remember the Florida elections of 2000? Hmm? Where it was just a rigamarole, it was just a, a complete mess in Florida as far as voting and counting and voting machines were concerned. Anybody remember that? And then the Supreme Court just handed the election over to George Bush, even though there were votes still to be counted. Hey, I remember the right wing at that point saying, hey, love it or leave it. When the left were people that wanted Al Gore to win or at least the popular voter, you know, the, 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 the winner of the popular vote to win. Guess what? I heard from the Bush Cheney crowd. I remember that as if it was yesterday. I was living in New York at the time and I couldn't believe it. I was at like, Florida. My goodness. Little did I know three years later, I'd be living in Florida and, you know, whatever. But in any case, I remember the Supreme Court, not the voters, not the voters. I was alarmed. I thought at that moment, I personally was extremely disturbed at those events when I realized that the Supreme Court said, hey, we got to move on. The country has to move on. The world has to move on. Stop counting the votes. Stop counting the votes. George Bush won. That's it, even though the voting was a complete mess in Florida. Are you kidding me right now? Was, and I don't remember, was Jeb Bush, George Bush's brother, governor of Florida at that time? I'm not entirely sure if it was Rick Scott or George Bush, but I'm just saying, what? At that point, I said, wait, was democracy in danger then? When the Supreme Court is the one telling us who's the president and not the people who are supposed to have the supreme authority over who gets elected and who does not I was alarmed I personally thought that what we got what we what happened January 6th 2021 would have happened in January February of 2000 that's what I thought When the Supreme Court handed the election to, and I'm not saying he didn't win it fair and square. I'm just saying there were still votes to be counted. The Supreme Court said, stop counting. I was like, wait a minute. I remember blinking, looking at the screen, going, wait, am I the only one who heard the Supreme Court say we're moving on? We're going to have the last word on who gets elected. And I thought, hmm, this is how it starts. And I didn't see any riots. I didn't see anything. There were people that were angry, people voicing their opinion, this, that, and the third. And then before you knew it, we're in Iraq. Before we knew it, we're in Afghanistan. And you already know the rest is his story. Was democracy in danger then? With 90% of ballot marking devices not detecting errors, is our democracy in danger due to these voting machines? Remember what Joseph Stalin once said? And uh, I think it was 1923 when he said, I consider it completely unimportant, who in the party will vote or how. But what is extraordinarily important is who will count the votes and how. How our votes are counted. Is is extremely important, extraordinarily important. Just saying, is our democracy in danger because of that? are we adding that to the mix? I'm just saying, all I'm doing is posing questions because it seems as if they're, you know, obviously being a politician means that you're a professional opportunist and you have to take every single opportunity you can, whether you use fear, propaganda, ignorance, or misinformation, whatever you need to do to get people to vote for you and remain in compliance with your agenda. I get that. That's why I could never be a politician. You know, I, I couldn't, I could run for office, but I would, you know, I would say what I'd want to say and just introduce it to the, to the to the populace and probably not get elected because, you know, maybe Roger Ailes, former president of Fox News, was right. Maybe Americans don't want to be informed. Maybe they just want to feel informed. Maybe he was right. I don't know. But, you know, giving people information without the dressing and without the narratives and without the parables. Maybe Americans need to be infotained. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. But in any case, the truth of the matter is I think our democracy has been in danger. And I think January 6th is a culmination of a lot of different factors that have zero to do with just, you cannot put that at the doorsteps of just a Donald Trump. You cannot put that at the doorstep of just a, a, an Uber right wing or a faction of the, of, the, of the Republican party. You cannot do that. I'm gonna tell you something. Even the term fake news. You want to know the first time I heard fake news? Late 90s, New York City at a left-wing bookstore. Okay. The first time I heard that phrase bandied about more than one time was more than 20 years ago. I was hanging out at this bookstore. I think it was in the West Village. It's great books. I used to get a lot of great books there. A lot of self-published intellectuals, people that were uh, former government officials, uh, former people in intelligence, academe, academic Academians, it was just a lot of great books, history, different versions of history, revisionist history, whatever, debunkers, uh, counter authors, as I like to call them. They, they, they counter the uh, uh, prevailing narratives. And what would happen is every time you go in this bookstore, I think every Tuesday or every Thursday, they would have meetings in the back. There was a little curtain. And behind that curtain, there was a lot of chairs and there was a little podium. And a lot of the authors who wrote those books that were on the shelves would come in for Q and A's and you would go back there and it was free to, it was free to enter. You would just, um, you would pay for drinks, whether it was alcoholic or non-alcoholic refreshments, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe sometimes they'd have some food, but very, very, very rarely would they have food. It would be just pay for the drinks and the drinks were overpriced. That's how they got, that's how they kind of got you. So your water bottle would be four bucks, but Hey, it was worth it because you got to, the Q and A's would go on for solid two hours. It was awesome. And I remember one of the authors there, I'm not going to, I can't remember the name of the book. And he, the things that he said that day were, were eye opening and truth shattering. And he, I remember him saying, and he was speaking about, uh, CNN he was speaking about this and speaking about that and he said yeah this fake news this idea that you're getting informed with this news it's fake it's not real and this is why and he gave a 10 point bulletin as to why that wasn't real and I remember hearing from the left how fake the news was that was the left, the, the true left, not the American left as you see it today on your news. What you con- what's considered left, whether it's BLM or this, that, and the third or Antifa, that's not the real left. That's not true left. That's not the true left. The left I'm speaking about who wrote these books who were, who were I would call them the, the sons and daughters of, let's say, the Panther parties and people like that. Um, vanguards of left-wing movements from the 60s. And these some of these people that were speaking, many of them were of that older generation that were there. They were the ones who were marching and organizing in the 60s. They were part of those anti-war movements. They were the ones that were part of those panther movements and those f- uh, free lunch counters at the public schools and things like that. It was them. So these were the men and the women that were part of real, authentic, ground-up, true-to-life left-wing movements. Not what not what constitutes the left of America today. And these people were using the term fake news back then. So for right now, yes, Donald Trump has maybe popularized it. Former President Trump has popularized it by using it. But that's not his sentiment. And that's not the sentiment that can that's exclusive to just the right wing or some conspiratorial whites that are just angry that Obama was president and Hillary was vice president. No, 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 no. no. This is a term that I heard from the left. This is terms term that Malcolm X used to say, oh, don't, don't follow the mainstream media. This is James Baldwin was saying this. Huey Newton was saying this. Fred Hampton was saying this 50 years ago. <laughs> okay? Um, so this idea now that, ooh, you know, we, we, there are people out there that don't believe because I was listening to public radio, uh, and I say this with an eye roll, and I was listening to public radio and I can't remember the, the guest speaker they had on. And he said, there are actually people out there that don't believe anything that's going on on the news. And I was like, why should they? Brian Williams has been called out as a fraud. So many of these men and women that are on your airwaves right now can't even speak about the companies that advertise for them. He, he who controls your commercial break controls your media. So if you want to know who controls the people that you're listening to, look at what commercials are shown when they take a break. Those are the people who pay the bills. Those are the people who pay the, the seven, eight figure salaries of your talking, your favorite talking head. So your talking head can't say anything against those companies. Your talking head cannot say anything against um, anything. um. The, the march up to september 11th i'm i'm sorry to uh, the markup up to uh, the, the the war in iraq iraqi freedom all the media were for it even though the information was to the contrary of 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 what they knew even though we knew there were no uh uh, uh you know nuclear weapons in iraq The markup to the 2008, 2007 recession, there were countless and countless and countless economists and business insiders that were on the airwaves saying, listen, there's a a, there's a there's a there's a big time economic collapse coming. And those bandiers and those puppets and those mouthpieces for the establishment just were ridiculing those people saying, ha ha, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Stop being a Donnie Downer. And they all were wrong. They were wrong about Iraq. They were wrong about Afghanistan. They were wrong about the economic collapse. And you know what they got for being wrong? They got raises. You can tell who a company man or a company woman is because they always benefit from the company. They're the ones who are not hurt from the company. That's what a company man and a company woman is. They do not get any Uh, 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 punitive measures taken against them as long as they side with the machine, no matter how wrong the machine is. As soon as they say something against the machine, all of a sudden renegotiations happen. And all of a sudden when they're renegotiating their contract, eh -eh, now they got to move. Okay? So I've been hearing the term fake news for a long time. I just want everyone out there, whether you're on the left or the right or, if, you know, regardless, donkey, elephant, Republican, Democrat. Be very, very careful at this so partisanal politics that you're playing and who gets to own what phrases. Be very, very careful. I remember specifically fake news being a term that the left bandied about all throughout my, my, my childhood in New York City, all throughout my teen and my 20s in New York City. I remember the left saying fake news all the time. The books I was reading that oftentimes leaned left all the time, and then, you know, then I would have more right-wing friends when I got, got on Wall Street, and they would be like, hey, man, the media's liberal bias, fake news, and then I'm like, whoa, everybody thinks the, the mainstream media is full of it. It doesn't matter what side you're on. And then as a black man in America, I see how the news depicts people who look like me. So I can sit there and go, yeah, they only seem to care about us when we're outlined in chalk and killed by someone white. Now, all of a sudden, we're in the news. Because if it bleeds, it leads. And if it if it creates these these racial conversations that titillate and provoke the American populace, then OK. That's when that's when it's a black man killed by white such and such. Oh, yeah. Put that in head. Put that in lights. So I see how my body and my mortality is exploited in the media. I see it all the time. I see it all the time. And I notice no one who thinks like me is on air. Look around. If where was the last? I don't when I look around, I don't see anybody who looks or sounds like me. You may look like me, but you don't sound like me. You don't think like me. I don't see them anywhere on air. Why is that? It, is what I'm saying so radical? No, not even close. Even the little things I say here, I, I, don't, I don't see anybody on the, your public radio, NPR, this PR, that one, CNN. When I, I don't hear anyone who sounds like this. And if they do think like this, they're not allowed to talk like this. If they think like this, they're not allowed to speak like this. So then how real can it be? must be kind of fake if you're having all of these you know people in a different square and you know one person speaking and they're supposed to be speaking from these multiple perspectives we spoke about this early i think first or second episode i think the first three to five episodes of 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 this show in season one episodes one through four of this conversation i spoke about that the narrowing of the conversation making it seem like you're actually hashing out to get to the truth and so much central information is omitted or put out into the periphery or just not spoken about at all don't even want to introduce certain ideas the the mere idea that we the mere fact in this country that we do not have a third party candidate that is worth their salt guess what because the media makes a lot of money off political ads if there was a federal law that would be passed that says you must give equal time to viable third party candidates We might have different conversations entered into the marketplace than these talking heads. But everyone, everyone who's rich, everyone who's propertied, everyone who's a multimillionaire benefits off of this binary or this alleged binary system. Well, meanwhile, behind closed doors, both Democrats and Republicans are getting money from the same people. The multimillionaire journalist class hang out with the multimillionaire entertainer class with the multimillionaire political class. It's all a big, it's all a boys' club behind the scenes and a girls' club behind the scenes. Meanwhile, the rest of us on the ground are the ones not allowing this person at our dinner table due to their political beliefs. And non- Meanwhile, all of these political players are flying the same jets, eating at the same restaurants, have homes in the same neighborhoods, are investing in the same stocks, getting the same insider information, getting, um, getting money from the same political donors. What are we talking about here? So this idea right now that we've completely demonized the right. Oh, look at them. They're getting all that money, blah, blah, blah. Obama ran a billion dollar campaign. How democratic is it when your campaign can run into the billions? Donald Trump's campaign ran into the billions. What are we talking about? How democratic is that? When we're telling each kid, you can be president, you can be president, you can be president. Really? Are you sure about that? Are you sure if it's taking a billion American dollars, US currency, to run a United a, a campaign? What's what, what's going on? You don't have a viable third party. So when I'm watching the the, the debates in 2016, and I'm watching two almost 80-year-old white guys talk to me about what's good for the country, I go, "Huh?" One billionaire, one multimillionaire speaking about what's great for the country. And I'm saying to myself, huh, is this democracy? When I see a Clinton run for office, I'm saying to myself, me personally, I don't believe anyone should be able to run for office for the presidency if you've had a parent, sibling or spouse run for office. I didn't believe that Robert F. Kennedy should have had an opportunity to run for office because his brother ran, because I don't believe that siblings should be able to run for political office after another sibling has won that political seat. It should make you exempt from running or banned from running because in a true democracy, everyone should get a turn. Your family got their turn. So Robert F. Kennedy should not have had an opportunity to run. Ted Kennedy should have not gotten an opportunity to run. The same with the Clintons after Bill. Sorry, Hillary. Sorry, Chelsea. Your family already had their turn. Governor Cuomo, Mario, you already ran. Andrew shouldn't have had a turn. The Daly family shouldn't have had a turn in Chicago. Yes, I said it. The Bushes, George, you won. George number one run. George number two doesn't get to run. Jeb doesn't get to run. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, that's not democracy. That's monarchy. That's nepotism out of three hundred million people. How is it that Hillary gets to run and get a get the nomination? How is it that a Bush gets to run? Your father passes on the presidency to the son? That sounds monarchical to me. I thought this country bled to have a democracy. I thought this country bled and fled. The king's English over there in Great Britain. Why? To have a democracy. So what are we doing? Is democracy in danger when we pass a presidency along from husband to wife, from father to son? Or governorship from, from, from father to son? Or from brother to brother? Hmm, just saying. So all I'm saying is this idea that democracy is in danger because of January 6th. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think we need to go back and take a look at all the things that seem to usurp or subvert our democracy, our electoral college. Group of people that we didn't elect oftentimes that get to be part of an electoral college and they get as many electoral votes that was put in place. So we didn't have a direct democracy in this country where it was one man, one vote. Our founding fathers were deathly afraid. Read the Federalist Papers. It's a book. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Goodreads for free. Federalist Papers. And it, and you can see, you can read the diaries and 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 the journals and the and the, and the and the, uh, the diatribes and the arguments between the founding fathers as to what this country was actually going to become. I don't want to get into too much detail about that, but just as a brief, uh, not even a synopsis, but just to surmise that they didn't want. Your vote to just be the ultimate indicator, or the ultimate determinator of whether someone is elected or not. That's why we have this electoral college for the presidency. They wanted their sen their senate to be a learned, propertyed, millionaire class, which is it, which it is. The senate is the richest senate in the history of America. Our senators are multi, multi, multi millionaires. Okay, is that democratic? Is our democracy in danger when so many of our elected officials live in a world totally different and apart from the people that they're supposed to be uh, uh, serving? The, the, the elect, the, their constituency, so who are they uh, uh, working for when each one of them is in a different world? You know, I can't remember. I think it was the, uh, the uh, reporter journalist, great journalist, by the way. His name is Matt Taibbi. And he said, there's a certain group of people in America that live in a world called Richistan." <laughs> I love that word. It's a world completely insulated from the world that the average working middle class, upper middle class American or lower working class American lives in. It's a different world. It has bulletproof shuttled suburbans to helicopters to four star hotels. To helicopters on roofs, to private jets, and that's their world. And gated communities and enclaves that are separate and apart from any person that just has a mortgage, has a car note, and has a couple of kids in school. It's a different world altogether. And they only come down to your world when they need your vote. They speak in front of microphones. And, they get, and 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 the things that they say get spoken out loud by millionaires in the mainstream media. So they go to lunch and dinner with these people in journalism because these people in journalism want access to these multimillionaire senators. And these senators want access to the multinational corporation CEOs and donors and businessmen and industrialists. So they can remain in office. And so they know that they can count on these mainstream journalists to stay in line why because during the political season political ads bring in a lot of revenue for major cable networks and each one of these people whether they're on the right or the left whether they're democrat or republican or whether no met blue dog democrat uber right wing Tea party republican doesn't matter they all sue any third-party candidate that's trying to get on ballots. They sue them, keep them in court, saying that they're invalid, they need to fill out this paperwork, et cetera, et cetera, just to keep this system going as it is. Does that sound very democratic to you out there? Just rhetorically speaking, Just does that sound democratic? Hmm? The people living in Richistan telling you what you need to do with your life, every time you turn on your news, uh, every time we see a candidate, it's a multimillionaire sitting there telling you what's good for you hmm? and then you have the American public absolving the people saying oh yeah th- he ran a company so he can run the country really running a company is not a democracy by the way that's th- that that's a, that's what people have to understand as a matter of fact here's the interesting thing and people make you can you can you can you can debate me all you want running a company and running a democracy are two totally different things A business is not beholden to its employees. A business is beholden to whom? A multinational corporation is is beholden to whom? Shareholders. It's about profit. As an employee, you do as you're told, period. Most, you know, there's how many, most people, 90 plus percent of the population do not have unions. So you don't even have any arbitration. You don't even have a means to negotiate with your boss. It's do what I say or else. You can't vote out your CEO of your company. Your company rules with impunity. Your CEO, the president of your your, your biz, the business that you're employed at, your, your your supervisor, they rule with impunity. You can't vote them out. You can't say, you know what I'm gonna stay here for four years and when the, when you know and I'm gonna make sure they're not they're not here. You don't have that opportunity. It's a totally different energy and an ethos and a mantra that goes into being a president of a company and a president of a country. If a democratic country, where it's one man, one vote, one person, one vote, one citizen, one vote, and they can vote you out, where you are beholden to the masses. Presidents of companies do not fancy themselves beholden to the masses. It's not how it works. So this idea that, oh, they ran companies so they can run countries. Mm be careful with that but yet in this country where every man i think it was alexis de toqueville who wrote democracy in america says every american fancies themselves a millionaire so we look at our millionaire class and we go hey we don't care how we how they got that money we'll elect them oh yeah they're successful yeah monetarily forget about morally yeah we'll hire them yeah does 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 that is that democracy is that Does that not mean democracy may be in danger for that alone? That's all I'm trying to say. All all I'm trying to get to is there's a lot of things that put our so-called democracy in danger. It's a republic, actually, especially because you have the Electoral College. It's not technically one man, one vote. I'm just saying it's not majority rules in a true, pure democracy. Majority rules. Fifty one percent, forty nine percent. But as we've seen time and time again, several elections, um, The winner of the popular vote isn't necessarily the person who becomes president. And I don't see people taking to the streets for that. It happened under Al Gore. Al Gore won the popular vote against George Bush in 2000. Didn't Hillary win the popular vote in 2016? Did she not win the popular vote? I think she did. I'm not entirely sure. And I think there was another couple of presidents before that who won the popular vote and didn't win the presidency. So here we are. So that goes to show you right there that you don't even have a democracy to begin with. If we if this continues to happen where the people have spoken and said, no, we want this person. Oh, but this other person got more electoral votes and none of us sit around and go, well, um, who, who gets to decide then? Because I voted. I voted. This person got 51 million. The other person got 50 million or 49 million. My guy or my girl should have won because the person I voted for received the majority of the people's vote. They're the people's champion. But that doesn't mean you get to be the president. It doesn't mean a thing. You lose. That's it. Goodbye. All of those votes wasted. So does that not put your democracy in danger? Th- that's the question that I would ask every single last person who Uh, support uh, the assertions made by Kamala Harris, Vice President Harris, President Biden, former President Obama, and others who echo it, whether they're in politics or whether they're just citizens or journalists, that our democracy was in danger because of January 6th. The people are on fire. The people don't want to believe anything that's going on. Why should they? Why should they believe what's going on? Why should they believe? Hmm? When, when you treat third party candidates as if they're some sort of, uh, uh, you know, baby Yoda, as if it's something from Disney, it's not real. It's some sort of fantasy cartoon. It's not real. Uh, when 10, when, when 8, 6, 7, 8, 9 percent of the population are voting would like other votes, when, when Bernie Sanders gets karate chopped at the shins, okay, and doesn't get the, the Democratic nomination, and we see how, and then emails come out, Podesta emails come out, and we see what the Democratic Party did to this this man who pretty much had the Democratic Party or the, the citizenry in the palm of his hand. The people wanted Bernie, but he didn't get it. so and then he just stood in line and, and you know, and walked the company line and supported Hillary and, and, and even though they because you know he wanted to keep his seat in Vermont. And he knew that if he bucked too much, the Democratic Party would have put a whole lot of money behind another candidate and he'd be out of office. And he would just be, I don't know, a talking head somewhere, maybe on CNBC or something like that or MSNBC. Who knows? But this is this is the game that's being played right now. These are the games. But yet we want to blame Russia. Oh, we want to blame Zuckerberg at Facebook. Facebook is putting democracy in danger because they're because of the fake news. Seriously. Seriously, is that what we're doing? We're going to blame Putin for this. Oh, Putin uh, poisoned the well. Do you think anyone needs to poison the well after what Bill Clinton did with NAFTA? 700,000 American jobs were destroyed and sent to Mexico after NAFTA. Hmm. There are many, many working class white workers that have said there is no way they were going to vote for a Clinton again. Obama won a lot of these states that Hillary couldn't win because they would rather vote for him they weren't going to vote for anybody else so when hillary was losing these states people were saying there were some feminists who were saying oh it's because she's a woman no it's not because she's a woman it's because she's a clinton and they remember what her husband did Hmm. so when people tried to turn it into a racial thing or a feminist thing or or a misogynist thing or a masculine thing it was like wait 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 we're not looking at policy and then no one wants to speak about the advent or the increase in the black male voter that Donald Trump received in this previous election. He went up, like some people say, between 2 and 6%, sometimes even closer to 8%. There was a 2 to 8% increase in black male voters that voted for actual Donald Trump. What are we talking about? Are we not accounting for the fact that there are people out there that are speaking and we're not listening to them? We're just listening to what makes... what our own confirmation bias. I wrote on my Facebook page in February, I think it was April or May of 2016, where I put Donald Trump's face juxtaposed in the back of the presidential seal, I'm sorry, in the front of the presidential seal, and I said, congratulations, Mr. President. That was six, seven months before the election because I gave him more than a puncher's chance to beat Hillary because I knew Hillary Hillary is a losable candidate. Her her husband, her own actions, I said she can lose to this man. People thought I was crazy. And that's when I realized you guys don't know America you guys don't know america well enough to make these con- t- to have this conversation the mainstream media was giving wasn't giving donald trump a puncher's chance although they kept putting him in the news because he was great for ratings even right now as we speak cnn keeps using donald trump's name because the only time that their ratings are actually Competitive is when they say Donald Trump's name. Meanwhile, Fox has been beating the brakes off them in the ratings column for, for God knows how many years now. Why? This is America speaking. America's speaking through the ratings. You want to call them the silent majority? Maybe they are the majority. All I'm saying is this. There's a significant portion of the population that is constantly being dismissed and when and they're not being discussed uh, 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 rationally and without bias, I knew that I know this country well enough to know that Donald Trump had an opportunity to win. So all the shock that people had and the dismay in 2016, I laughed. I said, "I can't believe I don't know my country." I remember people were going to therapy. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, your democracy has been in danger, and it wasn't Donald's fault. It's not Obannon's fault. It's not Mike Pence's fault. It goes way back. There are a lot of factors that you can point at from what I spoke about and everything else. The money in politics. hmm? People not meaning what they say. The lack of third, fourth, fifth parties. Your electoral college. The fact that your vote doesn't count. Even the popular vote doesn't count. The electoral vote. You have other layers and barriers to you having a one man, one vote situation occurring. The fact that you get to have siblings and offsprings uh, and spouses become president. The money that it takes to become president is all these barriers from the people to get to politics. All these barriers. I think that kind of puts your democracy in danger. Just saying so either what we saw January 6th is democracy in danger or. It's democracy at work. Just saying, I'd love to hear your comments. Uh definitely hit me up on whose two 21 at gmail or whose world is this two zero two one on my Instagram. Don't forget check out Chavez House Publishing on Amazon to check out to get your journals or Chavez You can get your journals, your notebooks, things like that. And um definitely rate, subscribe, review, definitely leave a review, and um we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.